You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I was pretty much done. I just felt the pressure sort of mounting, but at the same time, there was also this other side of it where I was really proud and it had grown so much as a person that that felt really good. You know, so like I remember being on the floor my junior and senior year and feeling like a completely different athlete than my freshman year. That's coming up on this episode. Now, I use this podcast to give free advertising to charities. So to hear about a great nonprofit you can support, stay tuned to the end of this episode. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. What an honor it is to have Joy Selig on the podcast, now known as Joy Peterson. Joy, an Oregon State University Sports Hall of Famer, also an Oregon Sports Hall of Famer. She is a three-time national champion at Oregon State, specializing in the balance beam and floor exercise. She earned All-American honors seven times. Not only that, the equivalent to the Heisman Award given to the top college football player each year, gymnastics has the American Award, and Joy Selig in 1991 was named the top gymnast in America, receiving the 91 American Award. We had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs talking about her gymnastics career at OSU, what life has looked like since then, how she was growing as a person during her time at OSU, plus what it was like to see a statue made of her. It's in front of Gladys Valley Gymnastics Center on campus at Oregon State, kind of right across from Kerr Administration Building. So next time you're on campus, you can see the statue of Joy Selig. And now Joy, the real person, joins the podcast. Please welcome one of the top gymnasts in Oregon State history, Joy Peterson, formerly known as Joy Selig. Thanks so much for talking with me, Joy, all the way down from Arizona. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. What a treat. Oh, it'd be awesome to catch up with you, getting a lot of wide variety of guests on the, on the podcast recently, a lot of gymnasts too. I don't know how much you've stayed in touch and watched Oregon State. I don't know it's tough to get to meets when you're in Arizona, but I don't know, Leslie Mack had one recently, Laura Ann Chong coming up soon, and hoping to reach out to Heidi Anderson or Heidi Stanovich. Oh, Liz yes. Bell. So a lot of names you maybe recognize. So good, yes. Such great people, for sure. We have, we're so lucky at Oregon State. It was such good gymnastics history, and it's such a treat, for sure. It can get underrated for sure. A lot of great eras. Uh, Let's talk about you coming to OSU at first. I know when you got recruited, whatever that looked like, it wasn't any coach reaching out to you on Twitter. It wasn't Facebook. It wasn't Instagram. So what what was the, not that it's always like that these days either, but it it certainly wasn't even a possibility at that point. Uh, So what was your recruitment story? Why did you choose Oregon State coming out of Orange, California and then growing up in Placerville? How, How did you come to Oregon State? Well, I was really lucky. I had an awesome um, club coach who really knew um, the college scene. And so he just started making phone calls on my behalf and he started making connections. Um, You know, like you pay for people to do that now. You know, he just did that for me. And um, then you had to make, um, this is so funny. Uh, We had to make a VHS, you know, remember those? Oh yeah. And you had to make a tape of your highlights like you would now, I guess, but it was on a v- VHS and you made those and you make a packet 
about yourself and then you send them out and um, hopefully you get a response. And I got a response from um, uh, Oregon State and Arizona State. And um, yeah, so I just started that process with them, both of them. I got to go on and then it came out. I, got, I, still, I still think they do the visits now because I've seen kids on campuses. Um, I don't know if they're quite as, they're a little fancier, but um, you can go out and you just visit and get to meet the team. And I got to do that at both of those schools and why I chose Oregon State was really based on those visits because like um, I just felt like um, I fit better at Oregon State than I did at ASU and I don't know why um, my personality they just um, yeah I don't really know why and so um, yeah it was nice to have two um, choices it was a hard choice for sure but um, yeah that was about my recruiting yeah no there's no Facebook I don't have to worry about that I didn't have to worry about any of that. I just had to make my VHS and start sending it around. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I did get a little bit of the VHS era growing up. I remember getting a DVD player, like a family got one when I was like 10 or something. I remember thinking, why do we need this? We have the VHS player and <laughs> now people make fun of the VHS tapes. But no, I, I do remember. <laughs> yes. So yeah. And they're harder to make too. You know, it's like harder to cut and splice and all that it takes time, you know, like it's kind of like, remember, well, you wouldn't even remember that. Well, you might know, but like, remember mixtapes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the cassette is, we would spend hours making our floor routines with the music and getting it just right. So anyways. <laughs> how, how easy was it to select music back then and then even to play? It's not like you can get an iPod and just, you know, put yeah. in the headphone jack and play it on a speaker. I mean, how, how, how did they do it at that point when you were in high school, a club, and even into college? Well, there's a few different ways. You could make your own, and that's like doing like the cut and splice that took so many hours so some sometimes you could do that but I, um you just brought up a really fun memory my very first floor music so um was actually played on the piano um yeah that sounds so archaic i don't even know <laughs> but um if you know um ucla valerie condas field okay so she was one of my dance coaches when really? i was really little yeah and so my very first floor music was her and the gym playing, and it was Superman playing the piano while, and while everyone stood there and was, she was like, Joy, it's gonna be your first floor. And I was like, so lit up over it. And so it was first, first it was done on the piano and then it moved to like cassette tapes. And then they have people who actually make the floor music. And so you can just go to a company and pick your music, so. I mean, Valerie Condos Field is a, a legend in gymnastics coaching, and she was playing the piano for your floor routine growing Yeah, up. I mean, that's, that's a super long time ago. I mean, it was like my very first floor routine. And so she worked at the gym that I trained at, and then so she coached us with dance and choreographed our floor routines all the way up until she got her job at UCLA. Wow. Uh, yeah. This might be silly, but would, would it then be a recording or is she just sitting on the side of the mat playing a piano in the gym while you're doing your floor routine? Like how, how did that work? Well, then it became a recording. So yeah, she okay. would play at first she played it and it was just kind of cool, a cool memory. Now thinking about what a big deal that would, that's, you know, you just don't have that anymore. And then you just put it on a cassette tape so you could, because you play it like 500 million times yeah. before you get it all right. So 
that is a pretty funny, pretty funny throwback. I remember watching, I think it was her last meet in, in Corvallis when she came up and she obviously has a long history with the chaplains and they gave yeah. her a big old goodbye, like thank you at the end of the meet. And even the fans in Corvallis seemed to have a pretty good appreciation for who she was, which was, which was pretty cool. And um, so, yeah, no, she's a, she's a well-known person. That's a pretty fun uh, connection with you and, and yes. Val Condos Field. Um, what else went so Jim Turpin would have been your coach at Oregon State Um, what was that like to have you know your first impression of Jim and and what that was like on and off the mat uh, being coached at Oregon State um let's see so Jim and I did really good together um for the most part he was very um high strung and so was I so um I actually spent more time with Dick Foxel and Jill Hicks because a lot of times uh, Jim and I got along really good, but they would see like my, um, anxiety level rising <laughs> and then Dick Foxel would come along and then here would come Jill and they'd be like, Joy, let's go over here. And be like, Jim, why don't you go over there? And you know, they could see it, you know, cause we kind of would feed off of each other a little bit, but he was really good to me and treated me really well. And when I came in as a freshman, it was a really sweet time at, um, for OSU gymnastics. Um, title nine was taking off. And um, Jim was a relatively new coach at Oregon State. I don't know if it was his first year. I think it was his second year. And he had hired new coaches. Dick Foxel was new. We had a huge recruiting class. And the enthusiasm was just, like, super cool. And I seriously remember my very first very, – when I very first came on campus, we had a meeting. And we had to be there before all the students. And it was in Gill in one of those conference rooms. It was so scary. <laughs> And I didn't know anybody. I knew I had known of people because I'd competed with them um, across the country and things, but I didn't really know anyone. And um, I remember sitting at one of those really long tables and um, we were all sitting along the table and Jill and Dick and Jim were all in the front and they just set the tone. They just said, this is our goal. This is what we plan to do. We're serious about it. And we're excited to make this happen. And that's why you're all here. And it was just so cool. I felt like I was pinching myself, you know, like I get to be here. That's so awesome. Because I was, I was not a well-known athlete. Like I was not highly recruited. I came from a small town. Um, I wasn't like really sought after. And so um, it was seriously like, I felt like I was living the dream for me. And then we got all the garb, you know, like you get, Oregon State sweats and even though we only got one pair of sweats versus what the kids get now of course I always have to bring that up um and the sweatshirt you know you just felt it just felt really cool and I'd always and even to this day if um I would have loved to have been a professional athlete so I w- it was just it was just speaking my language the whole thing so it is funny to think about how you were sending your VHS tape out, just hoping to get a look from somewhere, kind of only two schools for the most part were interested. You come to Oregon State, you're just kind of excited to be there. The, the sweatpants excited you just to get some Oregon State gear to go from that sort of humility or whatever you want to call it to then seven All-American selections, three national championships did it ever get, did, did you feel like you kept the same demeanor or did it ever get hard to for your head to get a little big and all that? Yeah. I'm Joyce Elig, the three-time national champion, or was that never really your disposition? I mean, what was that like for you? Mm, that's a good question. I definitely felt, um, I don't, it got in my head in that it felt 
a little like pressure. Like I kept having to repeat that. And, um, and that's why I think by the end of my senior year, I was pretty much, I was pretty much done. Does that make sense? Like I just felt the pressure sort of mounting, but at the same time, there was also this other side of it where I was really proud and it had grown so much as a person that that felt really good. You know, so like I remember being on the floor my junior and senior year and feeling like a completely different athlete than my freshman year. And that felt so good to feel, I felt better in my own skin, if that makes sense, versus coming so freaked out my freshman year and feeling like this isn't real to like, yeah, this is my, this is my family. This is my new home. It's, it was very special. Do you think that pressure was external you're trying to please someone else or someone else's goals or internal of accomplishments you put on yourself and things you wanted to achieve that you had wanted that were hard to get so external or internal pressure i want to say that's a good question um i want to say it was probably more external because i remember very vividly uh, after my junior year going into my senior year um especially going into nationals i remember there was a lot of hoopla about can Joy Selig repeat her um, championships on beam? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I felt like <laughs> I felt like I kind of got lucky the first time and the second time. I was like, and that I felt that for sure. Like, I don't know if I can. I don't think I can. Can I? Does it matter? You know, like that kind of got in my head. And then like, um, and then my senior year when I did compete on beam, like I had the funniest weirdest uh like my foot slipped and so but I didn't fall I like land it was the weirdest thing to see on video like I I did this they call it a layout and you're supposed to land on one leg well my first leg slipped and I landed on my thigh but I did not fall and I was like I can't believe I'm sitting on the beam what just happened you know it was kind of it was it was very I um, I've seen that. Sure. I saw. I went back and watched that video. Oh, recently. <laughs> that was amazing. I don't know how I did that. It was like she fell, and then I was like, "Wait, she did fall, right? That wasn't intentional. <laughs> you played it off really well." I don't know. I was kind of like, "What am I doing here? I got to get up." <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. For those listening, you can find it. I forget how I found it, but whatever it was, it was pretty easy to find. So go on Google, go on YouTube, and search Joyce Elick Balance Beam. You'll probably find it. And you, like you said, you landed. You kind of go down to your kind of on your knee a little bit on your thigh and then you make yeah. it work I mean with the what the choreography should have been it's all very nuanced and very played out so how did did you have to change your routine or did you just try to like get back up and what did you do yeah good question I um well, I was supposed to land on my knee like kind of like one knee up and one and so I was sitting down so I could easily just pretend like but it was I mean everybody knew I was trying to fake it <laughs> <laughs> it was even funny to hear the announcers because they kept the the audio of whoever was broadcasting i'm not even sure who it was and they were like oh she fell but oh no well she played it off real well and <laughs> they were impressed so i don't know what the deduction would be for when you fall but you make it look really good i almost feel like you shouldn't get a deduction for that but i'm sure it's a small one yeah. that was that was well done speaking of your your choreography and, and specifically on balance beam the pose that kind of became your classic one, the, the one-handed handstand with your legs splayed out, one hand off the beam, one hand supporting you. Did you decide to add that yourself after seeing another gymnast do it, or did you kind of come up with that? Did a coach add that in your routine and suggest, you know, add this in? How did that come about? 
That is actually a fun story that I've kind of forgotten about. When I was a junior in high school, I was very injured that year. Like I felt like, like the, I first like dislocated my elbow. So then I trained my lower body and then I um, really messed up my ankle. And so then I trained my upper body. And so when I, you know, there's only so much you can do um, on beam when you have a cast on your foot. So I did a lot of handstand work and started playing around with this skill. And then by my senior year, it was in my routine. And then I took it to Oregon State with me and um, became this thing that everybody loved. It's not that hard. And it is not even worth, like in the code of points for gymnastics, um, it's not worth that many points. <laughs> everybody thinks it's so hard. It's not that hard. And um, so it's pretty funny. Um, if you're a gymnast, you'd be kind of like rolling your eyes, probably like, oh, you know. Um, I mean, it looks cool, but, uh, but yeah, I learned that it came about from an injury. Um, so that's kind of cool that I could turn an injury into something like that. So yeah, if you hadn't gotten injured, that wouldn't have been the one. And then I'm guessing you still would have had a statue made of you, but maybe in a different pose. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe it, would, it would be you falling on the balance beam and still <laughs> making it work. That, that should have been the statue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think Jim Turpin may have been the instigator of the idea, but who first said, hey, Joy, we're going to make a statue of you on the Oregon State campus? I did not know anything about that. So that was a total surprise until the day I got there and they did the unveiling. I had some hints like um, the man who did the sculpting was my club coach, and he's a phenomenal artist in so many different ways. Um, that's really his passion. And um, uh, he called me like, and he doesn't, he doesn't call me like one of those people where you stay in touch, but you don't need to call each other very often, you know? And so um, he called me and he asked me for the weirdest measurements, like, uh, Joy, can you measure from your knuckle to your fingertip and from your elbow to your wrist? And I was just like, <laughs> why are you asking me these Weird. But he's a very eccentric guy, and I always know I already knew that he works in art a ton. So I just figured he's doing another project. He's, you know, it's just Jim, that's what he does. Um, and then, like a year later, um, I was coaching at the University of Washington, and we had a meet there. And then they said they, they're going to do this unveiling. And um, a few of my coach friends said, uh, you know, Joy, you might want to dress nice. That was, gave me some clues and I'm like, okay, something's up, you know, and then they did this, they had it all covered and they just, they did this unveiling ceremony. It was, it was quite special for sure. When a friend tells you, oh, make sure to dress nice for this event. I feel like that either tells you your boyfriend's going to propose to you or a statue is <laughs> going to be unveiled of you. Like that's probably <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. So yeah, it's like something's up, you know, but, um, I would, I didn't think it was a statue, but yeah. I didn't realize how, how intricate it was, how life-size it was. So once you saw it, what was your reaction? Um, yeah, totally blown away. Um, I know um, Jim's work and I know he's amazing, beyond amazing. So um, that part, I was like, of course, you know what I mean? But the, the facial and the life, it's very, yeah, it's very um, realistic. It's kind of, they're kind of creepy, you know, in some ways, because I was like, that is so weird. And what was so funny, I took my oldest to OSU to see it like two years, three years ago now. 
and he was so funny. He's a big boy, and um, and he he um, we'd walk over there, and I'm like, well, there it is. It's in the bushes, and he's like, he looks at it, and he goes, he goes, it's so small, and then he looks at me, and he goes, oh, it is life size. Okay, <laughs> he was like, he's like, it's really small. I'm like. Oh, it was really funny. So it's, Did you forget um, you're not six foot two for a second? Yes, <laughs> I know. Because I thought it's going to be so much bigger, Mom. <laughs> so I'm still 5'1", you know, it's still the same size. <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. Well, it is fun to see and, and a pretty big honor. You and, and Dick Fosbury, if I'm not mistaken, are the only two people, at least at Oregon State, you know. And I remember he something he tweeted a while back earlier this year. He's somewhat active on Twitter and said something about, oh, I think I'm the only person with a statue at Oregon State. And someone responded, oh, actually, Joy Selig has one. It was actually well before him. And he responded, like, gushingly uh, in favor of you. Like, oh, my gosh, yes, of course, Joey Selig has a statue. She's amazing. And, and he was kind of, like, apologetic for forgetting and just really uh, – appreciative of you and I thought that's really cool the two statue people and that they both is so applied. cool I had no idea I didn't even know he knew I existed that is an <laughs> honor that's awesome <laughs> yeah and hey that's it's good company for 1968 gold medalist and then a, a three-time wow. national champion so if there's two yeah. people to have statues on campus Oregon State I, I think they picked correctly oh great <laughs> Um, let's talk about just kind of a couple last questions about what it was like to finish at OSU and move on to what life's meant afterwards. Um, you were a senior in 1991 and that year you were named the top gymnast in America, the 1991 American award participated in the world university games. You got into coaching pretty soon after that, it seemed. So uh, when it came to making the decision of, okay, I'm not, I'm not a gymnast anymore myself. Maybe you still stay in the sport and coaching, which maybe helped that transition, but once you were not a gymnast anymore, how did you handle that as a person? Could you go from all that success to whatever the next stage of life looks like? Mm -hmm. um, that is a, that is a hard transition, especially, well, I guess I'm biased. But I was going to say, I was going to say, especially for gymnasts, because usually you do the, your sport from the time you're five and till as long as you can go. And so it becomes very much part of your lifestyle and who you are. So um, that was a hard transition. And beca also because that's what I love. Like, like I said, I could have been a professional athlete. Like if there was a chance for me to go professional, which I did do a little professional work. Um, I was in a circus in Germany. Is no that way. funny? Well, yes. okay, I got to hear this story. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so um, it was through Valerie. She was, she choreographed over there a show and it was one of the side shows they have these beautiful outdoor theaters over there in germany and then they have these little american shows on the side that kind of that you can see before you go to the outdoor theater and i was one of the american performers and did that for a summer yeah so wow. that was my first <laughs> so it was it was really fun it was an experience for sure um anyways so i actually did that right after and then went into coaching um, and coaching definitely helped for sure, but it is, it was hard to find your place in the world because you're a gymnast, um, and to learn a new, and I still identify with that. And I still, um, learned that I love, maybe I'm not a gymnast anymore, but I'm an athlete. And so I, cause, um, I still do races and do, uh, challenges, athletic challenges like that, you know, like a century ride and triathlons and things like that, because I still love that feeling of being an athlete. Um, 
So I won't say that was easy. It was hard to find my place in the world for sure. Um, and like I tease my boys all the time, I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. <laughs> so the coaching definitely helped. And then I met my husband and when he was totally not into, I mean, he was not in the gymnastics world at all. And so he was really refreshing in that, like, he kind of showed me all, like, all these other things in life, you know, there's a ton of things to go see and do and sports and activities you can do. And I just, I was so kind of like this, I didn't know anything else. So, um, and then, so he was really good for me to help me get, you know, open my eyes to more things out there in the world. So. Yeah, that, that maturity process and growing into to new areas of life, it, it seems common to every athlete to some degree, but it still, it still can be hard and can be fun yeah. in, in a lot of ways. And it seemed like that process began maybe in a different way, even at OSU. You said earlier, and I was going to come back to this, that you grew so much in your time at OSU. You developed so much. And I think you meant even more than just as a gymnast. And I hadn't I didn't ask at that point, I want to come back to it, of, of what that meant. What, how did you grow? What, what was that process like at OSU and what area of life you were thinking of when you said, I grew so much when, when in Corvallis? Oh, yeah, you're right. I grew as a, definitely as a person. Like, um, I grew in my faith. I grew in, I mean, just being in education and being in college and meeting the people you meet, it just opens your mind, you know? And, um, and I try to kind of, pass it on to my boys. I don't really care what degree you get. Just go and meet all these different people and learn their different, see the different ideas that are out there because it just changes you. It, you grow from that. And so, and I think I just, um, yeah, like I felt better in my own skin. I felt better about myself by the end of it. Like I felt more empowered because I was able to do that. I was one of the first in my family and only in my family to do that. College wasn't really like, they were like, yeah, if you want to go, go. If you don't, don't kind of thing. Um, so, um, yeah, I felt accomplished and that felt really good, if that makes sense. I felt like I did more than I ever thought was going to happen when I walked onto campus. And so, um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's story is different. So that's that's yeah. the sort of thing that... Um, yeah, exactly. Everybody learned something at OSU or any, any college experience. So um, last, last question, sometimes I like to end with, um, sometimes I ask in the form of like, what advice would you have given yourself, you know, coming out of college or actually kind of how I want to phrase it is more um, since your time at OSU, especially recently in life, the last year or two, last 10 years, if you want to go that far, what has consistently brought you joy in life? Something that you're, you're passionate about, love doing, that's been gratifying to you. Um, that may be, that may be hard to answer. Maybe there's something right off the top of your head that that's real easy. What, what would you say as something that has been gratifying, even if it's not doing the balance beam at Oregon state, like you did in the nineties, but, but what has brought you joy in life uh, now? Um, well, for sure, raising my boys, um, for sure that has been, um, yeah, I thought being an athlete was hard and felt great. You know, you have those ups and downs. Parenting is a whole nother ball game, um, but the best ever for sure. So, um, yeah, I would have to say raising my boys, um, I have, like I said, one more to launch. Um, and so. We're almost 
Almost there. Well, that's, that's awesome. By the way, last thing, I didn't even plan this, but I know you grew up more in Placerville than I think you were born in Orange, but I didn't even plan this, but I'm wearing a, a Chapman University oh. shirt. So <laughs> go Panthers, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. My brother went there. So I was like, oh yeah, you're from, from Orange. So you, you would appreciate that. Yeah. My, my family went there, my parents. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's very cool. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much, Joy, for, for recounting time at OSU and life since then. I'm so glad to, to chat with you. It's been an honor to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks for asking. I'm super grateful for all the people at Oregon State. They mean a lot to me. So thanks for letting me talk about it. It's one of my favorite things. And that was a lot of fun to talk with Joy Selig. You know, I tell people a lot, I would rather talk to someone who is a really great interview, has a great story, they're easy to talk with, even if they were maybe not the best athlete of their era, they're just a mediocre player, but a great person. I would rather talk to them than the amazing player, the top of their class, but they're just not as good of a conversationalist, don't have as many stories to tell. Well, Joy Seeley covers both of those areas. A national champion, three-time national champion, seven-time All-American, and also just really fun to talk with. Hey, last thing, I support charities on this podcast, give them free advertising, and there's a new one I'm supporting, a local one, the Benton Community Foundation. They do a lot of amazing work with food banks, youth programs, adult programs, people experiencing homelessness, so you can donate and make an impact right here in Benton County. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've got another gymnast coming up soon, Laura Ann Chong, also Brett Casey, former Beaver baseball player. Plus, we go back to volleyball for the first time in a while, my first women's soccer guest as well, and a lot more guests to come. Until next time on the Beaver Tales podcast, I've been your host, Josh Warden. Good night, everybody, and go Beavs.